0: Hi, it's Chad Griffiths. I'm the host of the Industrial Real Estate Show, and I'm glad you're here. After you listen to it, please consider leaving a review on our Apple or Spotify page and check out any more episodes to see how you can learn more about the industrial real estate market. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I am very excited for this week's episode, as usual. I've got a diverse group of guests to come on. So, the topic today will be social media specific to commercial or industrial real estate. And to get some tips on how to look at this from outside the lens that we're used to doing, there's people that are doing well in, in social media in the commercial and industrial space. But I've got two guests somewhat related to it. Uh, the first guest is He's, he's a broker uh, based in Canada who's very proficient in social media. He's grown his business tremendously using it. And then, second, is a guest that I've had on here before, Beverly Teresa, who's the owner of Throwdown Social Media. So, she's a social media consultant. And what we're going to talk about today is basically just some actionable tips and steps that you can take in 2023 to increase your business, whether that's to try and do business development, get some more inbound leads or whether you just want to grow your presence on social media we're going to talk all things social media what works where people should focus on and then just some things that they can do and we want this to be interactive as well we're going to have a lively discussion but any questions you have anything related to social media uh, all three of us are happy to answer any questions that you have related to that but we'll jump right into it and i've got a few questions to tee off so if you could bring on chris and beverly thanks wyatt why it is available Beverly's computer is glitching like crazy that <laughs> you're supposed to be the social media guru and your camera is not even working
1: time for a new camera i think
0: <laughs> we might have to, uh, to get you one uh, shortly after this so everyone's gonna have to bear with your glitchy uh, uh camera but uh Beverly Chris thank you so much for joining me on the show
1: thanks yeah. for having me
0: so i want to start with you Chris uh, and just get your background on perhaps how you got into the business, what your focus is right now. And then if you could even just give like a, an overview, a high level overview of your social media strategy and how it's helped your business. We'll dive into it more deeper, but just to frame the conversation, your background, how you got into real estate and how you're using social media.
2: Yeah. So this is my 10th year in real estate now. And, um, you know, I really didn't start becoming active on social media or with video marketing or anything really until, maybe around 2015, I started doing some, some live video on Facebook, you know, because it was, it was something that I always thought was important to, to start um, becoming active with video. Um, and, and in large part, because when I started in real estate, uh, nobody knew who I was. And so I, I kept hearing from people that were naysaying that, you know, this is only for people that have a big Rolodex, people that, you know, it might take you 30 years to build this, or, or um, basically, You know, the turnover rate is high in real estate. And so I I built my business the old fashioned way, uh, uh, belly to belly, you know, uh, pound the pavement, uh, talk to people, knock on doors, make phone calls, all those types of things. Um, But it wasn't until I started becoming active on social media that I I really built a strong um, personal brand for myself that I've been able to leverage into the brokerage side of the business now, too. And um, I think that it's really something that helps kind of separate you um, from everybody else. And so I think it it, it's not as important um, how big your following is, because I know some people that are highly successful on social media that you wouldn't consider influencers that have tens or hundreds of thousands of followers. But because they leverage social media to be very strategic about getting the right information in front of the right people, I would say similar to what you're doing, Chad. Um, with the commercial real estate podcast, I think it, it's brilliant. And and what it does is it it gets the information in front of the, the right people. And because of it, um, you can really leverage and scale your business as a result. And that's definitely been the case for me um, over the years, and especially in the last few years, for sure.
0: So we'll jump into all of that a little bit more. And I'm glad you teed up the video, because I think mean, that's an important part to talk on. And as it relates, Beverly, your screen is Giving me a headache here you might have to turn, you might have to just turn your video off and if we could use just I'm the going audio to. that's good okay I think I'm going to have like an epileptic seizure if we can. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So everyone's just going to have to imagine that uh, that Beverly's there. She's here in voice, but we don't get to see her. But Beverly, can you, and we've known each other for a long time, so I know your story quite well, but can you share your story as well? Because you actually have direct experience in the industrial real estate space before you got into uh, social media as a consultant.
1: Yeah, so I was a client care project coordinator type person on the industrial team at Avis Young locally. And that was for about five years. But before that, I was freelancing as a social media manager. And also, I did some social media on the side while I was working at Avis and Young. And then I started the social media department at one of my province's largest digital marketing agencies. And from there, I started my own business. So I'm really familiar with this space. I have a couple of, I have a developer client and also a real estate in or industrial real estate fund um, client as well. So I take that experience and apply it to their accounts as well.
0: So we've got a couple of bona fide experts here. Uh, Beverly, who has experience in the space and is now actually working actively with industrial developers and and a fund. Chris, who's using uh, uh, social media to grow his business. And like you, Chris, I, I wanted to piggyback on that comment is I, I really only started getting into social media a couple of years ago myself. And, and I heard a lot of those same comments about the, the space is saturated. It's all like the big channels or big accounts that come control everything and it's just wasting time i heard all of that as well i heard all of it when i started the youtube channel people uh, thought that might be wasting time or it's inefficient and i I just thought if there's an opportunity to connect with people and i can share my experiences and share what's worked for me and still be curious uh, because as, as much as i think i can contribute i think i also extract that much value back by being on the consumer side of social media so i i, I think that there still is a wide array of opportunity uh for that when you you said about 10 years in the business two years on social media how did you dip your toe in what was the first thing that you decided to pick up or did you just say i'm going to do like a blanket approach and try everything
2: yeah i think the first and most important thing that you need to do is is leverage social media to bring the relationships you already have closer to you So if you have a Rolodex, if you have a client list, a past client list or a sphere of influence list, um, you you know, you should cross check that on different social media channels. And so for the commercial space, I think LinkedIn is an underutilized, very powerful um, prospecting tool. It's it can be impossible to reach a CEO uh, of a company or a firm um, by calling or even stopping at the business. But somehow you can still find them on LinkedIn and and oftentimes create a conversation with them by messenger. And so if you have something of value to to present to people like that, um, not only can you put content in the newsfeed so that they can see it, but but you can contact people that you wouldn't otherwise. And so the first thing I think that you should do is use it as a method of um, additional prospecting. And you don't need to be an influencer to do that but you can definitely access and impact people in a way that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Um, So for me, I I started doing Facebook live videos on a regular basis um, when I first got started into social media. But my honest advice to people would be pick something that you can stay consistent to for, for your content strategy um, and and stick with it. And and then another very simple first step is what I'd said before. If you're going to call people once a year, a couple times a year to keep in touch well use social media as a multiple uh, an alternate method of contact so that you can be in touch with your people on on a, a different perspective and a more regular basis um w- without you um feeling like you're you're you know maybe uh, a little doing too much outreach you're, you're essentially becoming omnipresent um and top of mind to the people that are most important the the people that that know like and trust you already so just making sure that uh, you're having a more impact out there in the community that you already serve.
0: Love it. I think that that is such great advice to offer on that. And I want to get Beverly's taking a second here, but I want to see if I can extract something. I, I think you were alluding to it on the message that you were sending, because I'm sure we're all familiar with accepting a connection on LinkedIn or, or following somebody back on Twitter. And then you instantly get a DM back, uh, which is a boilerplate message about how great they are. And it's not personalized at all. I am guessing when you're sending a message, it's personalized and you have something to offer or what could you share? Like what an example of, of the message that you might send to someone would look like.
2: Yeah. I, I say, generally speaking, I, I don't always approach, conversations by message with a sales intent, I always approach it first with a relationship first. And it's kind of like going to an in-person networking event. You're going to meet a lot of high-profile people, but you might not be their real estate person, especially if they're, if they're highly well-connected in your community. But there's always an indirect benefit where they might introduce you to a lender that gives you direct access to a new project. As an example even though that person that you met has been dealing with xyz agent for their entire career and might continue to do so Um, they might also introduce you to um, a a new junior that you could bring on to your to your team or your group Um, you know so there's all kinds of indirect benefits that you can create by just building relationships with people and so that's why i do think it's important to alternate between um, putting content out there in the news feed for people to see and get to know you a little bit better so that when you do reach out and have conversations with these people, they've gotten to know you a little bit. And I think that video is just the best way to do that because you can get to know somebody pretty quickly in a few short videos. Um, and, and you can do so at your own leisure versus getting on the phone and, and getting into detail with somebody um, can can actually take a lot more time to do and um, and can be less efficient depending on um, you know what type of content you're putting out.
0: I want to get into content ideas so that people can actually have like a roadmap on what they could produce in the future. But Beverly, I'm guessing that everything Chris is saying is music to your ears.
1: Yes, I definitely agree (laughs) with Chris across the board. Um, I think there's a way to finesse your client or your lead prospect um, when you first connect with them on LinkedIn without having to send them a direct message because I think a direct message right when you connect with someone is definitely a turnoff so going through their page and their posts maybe commenting on a couple of posts liking them sharing them even Um, and then also like you can slide into their dms after maybe after like a few weeks of that And also, I think to not forget that LinkedIn and Twitter and all these other social platforms is a great way for you to keep in touch with your current and existing clients and past clients. Um, So when it's time for that renewal, they actually think of you, your top of mind. They're like, oh, I always see Chad or I always see Chris on LinkedIn all the time. I should reach out to them because our lease is coming to an end or something like that. And as well as um, how you can take the person away from social media and import them into your email list as well, because people are more inclined to open an email versus click on a post on social media.
2: Yeah. That's a really great point actually, Beverly. And and the funny thing is you never really know what could potentially happen with your social media account. Exactly. Um, But your email list is something that you actually tangibly own. So um, I think that's definitely overlooked by a lot of people who build a big network on social media that you need to be collecting contact information and keeping them in an organized file that you actually own. Um, otherwise you're subject to, you know, if your if your account got hacked, you, you could lose out on, you know, um, really, really important data that would take you, you know, hours and hours, countless hours and, and thousands and thousands of dollars to try to, uh, recuperate. And and I want to add one more thing that I see a, a huge opportunity gap for, specifically commercial real estate agents um, and traditional brick and mortar businesses for utilizing social media. I think that that those two categories are probably some of the biggest um, underutilized uh, sectors of the market in in terms of really simple things like Google My Business um, or or utilizing, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, for business. Still today, there's there's so many brick and mortar businesses that, that are not using social media, or, or not to the full extent, and likewise with, with commercial real estate agents too.
0: It's a great point, and Beverly and I have talked extensively about this before, and, and on the residential side, I find that residential brokers have been a lot more proactive in taking the approach that we want to incorporate this into our business, It's going we're gonna invest time and money in doing this, whereas on the commercial side, it seems to be it's lagged behind, and I don't know if that's just a stigma of, of people not wanting to put themselves out there. They feel they might be embarrassed. It's, it's more corporate. Uh, so they, Whereas residential, it, some people feel comfortable dressing up as Superman and taking photos uh, in a phone booth uh, or having their picture on a bus bench. On the commercial side, it's a lot more corporate. Well, so I think there's been that hesitancy there.
2: Hello, my name is Wyatt Hammond, and I am the producer of the Industrial Real Estate Podcast. I'm here to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by Tyler Cobble's Industrial Real Estate Investing course. This course will teach you how to find, fund, and close your first commercial real estate deal, even if you're starting from scratch. It is a self-guided online course that teaches real-world practical principles to succeed in commercial real estate investing. If you're interested in learning more or signing up for the course, you can click the link in the description. Now back to your episode. You know what part of it is, too, that I feel like as a commercial real estate agent, you can largely build your business around five to 10 really strong, solid, successful clients. Um, But I would also argue that that means that if you were to pick up one new client, that's going to be a repeat referral client for you as a commercial real estate agent, that's why the size of your audience doesn't matter as much, but the quality and the depth that you're building in the relationships for the people that do consume your content is that much more important. And I think it just goes back to the fact that like, what about that one person that's in front of you? You know, social media, it's always, let's get more followers, more followers, more followers. But it's, what about the people that are all, are, plus you don't know who's watching. You know, I had a, a, one of my coaches said, um, people are like Santa Claus. They're always watching. So it's like, you never really know who's literally seen all of your content. And who's just going to reach out to you and say, hey, you know, I've got this $20 million project that I'd like you to, to list for sale or that I'd like you to, to partner with me on or, or help me uh, promote. Right. So, um, it's super, super powerful.
0: I love that line. I'm going to steal that. It's the audience is like Mm -hmm. Santa Claus. They're always watching. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I love everything you guys are saying. Like I I I would be a, a subscriber of the notion that you have both presented is that it's there's a lot of value to it. It's underutilized, so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity on it. I think anybody listening that's tuned into this topic would clearly have interest in in stepping up their game as well. So I want to move into how they could actually do that. So. Uh, hopefully everyone's bought in the, the idea that yes, there's opportunity here. It's underutilized. You can be ahead of your competition very quickly. I think the future is going here. I think people that aren't on social media are going to get left behind as well. So what, what are and actually maybe that's a good time to bring up a question that i saw come in here uh and I, I want to encourage people to ask any questions uh the that come up for chris uh or beverly while we're going through this but this one question probably uh leads into the next question that i had Uh white if you could pull up the warehouse investor one uh what's the best platform to be on in 2023 and we'll We'll, we'll perhaps springboard off this one after we we go through it uh but I, I really want to get into ideas of the like what people can actually post because provided everybody's bought into the idea that there's opportunity here the next thing is how do we be efficient and actually maximize the time and perhaps money that people are spending on it so we'll we'll get into that first but let's let's directly answer that question and I'll chime in uh after you guys both answer as well on my thoughts best platform to be on in 2023.
1: I think it definitely depends on where your audience is and who your audience is. Um, if you're targeting the older generation, I would say Facebook or LinkedIn. And probably for commercial real estate, I would focus more on LinkedIn and possibly Twitter. But if you're if you're targeting, like if your ideal client is someone looking for a space and they are like a startup tech company and the founder is a younger person or the decision maker is a younger person, then maybe looking at Instagram or even TikTok, um, but it definitely depends who your audience is i think linkedin right now is probably the strongest place to be for in commercial realtors
0: yeah thanks for
2: that i I would say um, it's funny it really depends what your business is and what your business does and and also what your goals are um so i think there's definitely pros and cons to each platform my blanket statement would be google my business um, hmm. it's, it's so underutilized and especially for brick and mortar businesses. I mean, it, it's, it's probably the simplest and easiest one to implement, but, but probably one of the um, most underutilized. And so it's like, yeah, of course, you can collect uh, Google reviews, but you can also utilize that to leverage your, um, your, your search engine optimization in a way that you could never, ever do with a traditional website without years and years and years and years. Uh, of driving traffic to your website. Um, and then as well, there's a post feature that, that you can put uh, content on and there's also um, a products feature that you can do so as well. And so I, I would also encourage, I think one of the reasons why um, traditional brick and mortar businesses or, or other sort of bigger firms don't do as much social media is because um, I, I do, I'm a big advocate for video and to do so you have to have somebody who's the face of your company. Um, And a lot of times people like to be behind the scenes. And so I just encourage people to step out because social media is a powerful tool when you're building relationships with people. And so if you can be the spokesperson for your business, or if you know of somebody that would be a really great spokesperson for your business, then um, getting on video and just one of the really easiest, simple um, content topics would be frequently asked questions. Or how about this? Next time that you're in person having a regular conversation with a client, uh, existing new client past client or business partner and just write down the questions that they ask because guess what it's probably the same questions that every other client asks and then uh, write down your answers to them and then do a separate video or even a blog post um, answering those questions and that's just I think a really easy first place to start for like what to put out on on socials. just your everyday stuff.
1: I totally agree with Chris. Um, Also, like I've worked with another large, like international commercial real estate firm. And with them, it was a matter of basically forcing some of their agents to be the be on camera for their team and they talk about uh market updates things like that as well in addition to frequently asked questions and i think that provides a ton of value and also just to note that if you are thinking about doing video i would recommend batch filming so maybe doing three or four videos in one sitting as well as making sure that you have closed captioning on those videos
2: yes 100 agree with that and that's the other next problem is time management right it's like oh well There's so many different things you could do on social media. So there's all these excuses of why not to do it. Well, sit down and record 61 minute videos. How long would that take you to do? Right. right? But you have to have the content topics ahead of time. And then you have enough content for that entire month or two. Um, You know, and likewise with YouTube.
0: Yeah. And, and the part I love about video and I credit Beverly for actually getting this YouTube channel and this podcast exists because of Beverly who encouraged me to do it a couple of years ago. Uh, my workflow is pretty straightforward. I have a, uh, I use one, my, uh, Microsoft 365, OneNote, and I just have a whole bunch of different video ideas. And if I have an idea that comes up or I'm um, perhaps working on something else and an idea starts percolating, I might just throw it into that folder. So at any given time, I might have 20 different uh, ideas uh, that, that could form a video. And if you're really proactive and you form a video, and like you both said, if you have a closed caption or you have a transcript of it, you can take a long video, you can break it down into shorter videos, which you could put on Instagram or LinkedIn. You can have the longer form videos on YouTube. And then you could even take the transcript uh, of that video or just whatever script you use to create it to do blog posts or longer form written content on LinkedIn. So you can really start taking one idea and whether to to the uh, warehouse investors question, best platform, if you're doing it right, it doesn't take a whole lot of extra time to Take that content and providing it's valuable, providing someone's actually going to get some insight or take something away from it. You're really contributing to various different platforms where various people are going to be. And it might be you create one piece of content and you put it on different platforms. You might have people that follow you on different platforms, but they might only see it on one. And, and to your point, Chris, you never know who's watching. So I I, I think that that's a really good strategy. And I actually just wanted to tell a quick story about this because you brought that up, Chris, about not having time to do this. I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they are asking how I'm able to make videos and how I have the time to do it. And I, I asked him, well, what, what, could you not allocate some time? And he's like, I'm just too busy. It came out a little later in the conversation that he's in four fantasy football leagues. Uh, so he's always texting back and forth and chirping his friends and he's getting chirped for all these different fantasy well that's that's just the trade-off that he wants and, and if that's the case if, if you'd rather be doing fantasy football all the power to that person or whatever a thing that they're doing that is taken away from it but it doesn't need to be much uh Beverly made a good point you can batch record all these you can do this in in a way that it doesn't need to be a daily task uh, for myself, Tuesdays is when I do this podcast I try to I try to do as much on Tuesdays as I can so that it doesn't become overwhelming throughout the week uh it takes time there's no question about it anything that you want to be uh, seeing a return on you have to put you have to put an energy and, and investment into it but it it doesn't need to be uh, overwhelming on that and actually I had a, a I see Ron joined in I want to just get to Ron's comment real quick because he he has an interesting story too. Uh, YouTube and Twitter, and Ron's active on both. So Ron's a lawyer out of Dallas. I had a chance to actually meet him when I was in Dallas, and he's got a YouTube channel and he's on Twitter. And I agree with both. Actually, I'm leaning more towards Twitter right now over LinkedIn. Uh, as as strange as that may sound, it has nothing to do with Elon Musk buying Twitter. It's the, there's a community on Twitter uh, hashtag retweet, retwit r e t w i t which is growing in a crazy amount over the last six months. And it's really a community of anyone ranging from a new broker all the way up to seasoned investors and developers who have millions of square feet worth of, of projects. And they share all sorts of information on there. And it's more of a dialogue where some of the other social media channels, someone posts something. And then maybe there's a little bit of chatter in the, in the comments Uh, on Twitter. It really does become a a, a two-way dialogue. Uh, So I'm really liking Twitter right now and encourage people to check out and just follow some of the people on the hashtag retweet, tons of value on there. Uh, But Ron, if you're still tuned in, uh, Ron did a video. So he's a lawyer and an investor in Dallas. He did a video on, uh, I I believe he he did it on a Mandarin speaking lawyer. And uh, interestingly, there was, before he put it out, there was someone that was ranked really high. And I believe it was within a couple of weeks of him putting that out there that his that video of the Dallas lawyer that speaks Mandarin uh, was first that because YouTube's owned by Google, uh, all that search engine optimization that you mentioned, Chris, is it, it, if you can tap into that network and and really get ahead of it, there's a lot of opportunity to not just get social media. Engagement, but you actually start ranking in search terms. Uh, so, if for that one and and Ron, if I missed anything in there, please please chime in and let me know if uh, if that was correct or if I had uh, any of that wrong. But uh, I, I for everything you guys said is you're building a community, you're prospecting, you're staying in front that top of mind awareness. Add in the fact that you can also have uh the ability to rank in search engines I mean, it's it's a very very powerful tool uh so yeah again ron let me know if i missed anything a uh, couple other questions uh if you could pull those up Wyatt. Uh, neil leadership to wealth thanks for joining in uh when you started making content what was the hardest thing about it and how did you get better at that thing great question uh maybe we'll start with you chris and then beverly after
2: I think it's like anything else. And actually this leads right into that comment that you made as well. So Gary Vaynerchuk, um, he, he sometimes uh, gets grief from people because he posts too often. And so I, I post quite regularly, but but Gary V says you need to be consistent. And if you up your game on volume, you um, you never know which piece of content is going to be that next piece that could change your life. Like is what is exactly what you're talking about, ranking uh, really high on Google or something that goes viral. But I think what, what's most important is that you pick something you can stick to. And so it's like, you know, if you're, if you're successful in any area of your life with any skill, it's exactly the same thing. And so when you start on social media, it's just, you know, one post per month doing a market update, and it could even just be a text post. You know, and then eventually you could put a photo to it and eventually you could start going on video and just build it from there. But I think what's important is that you stick to it. And like what you said, you know, Tuesdays is your day. So so doing it that way. But I want to actually add one other comment too, um, that, especially brick and mortar businesses, you already have staff. So who, who's on your payroll that is like Generation Z, that's like somewhere between 20 to 25 years old, guaranteed they have skills That other people generally don't have. They have exceptional skills when it comes to video and technology and social media, and they understand the algorithms and what gets engagement and how to get which camera angle that looks natural. Um, So utilize those people. I know restaurants that are doing extremely well, just with their staff that are taking pictures and uploading it to their Instagram stories and and tagging different people and things. And so um, that's a big deal. And then Look at your marketing budget, your advertising budget. If you're old fashioned in the way that you're spending money on flyers or radio advertisements or anything that you can't tangibly put a return on investment for, maybe take a small portion of those investments and uh, use it to dedicate whether it's a portion of your um, spend on staff um, or or likewise on advertising or maybe both to, to have somebody spend a significant portion of their time on social media, creating and putting out content for you. And you can do that locally and you can also do that abroad. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to make it so that you can be consistent without having it be a daunting task for you. Very well
0: said.
1: I agree with Chris. Like consistency is key and you can post a lot for sure um, to try and, and see which one, which post works, which post doesn't. But I think one of the things that we have to remember to focus on is quality of the posts as well. Like... If you are like, I want to post five times a week on LinkedIn, um, making sure that each of those five posts has something of value or is educational Or entertaining or something like that um, towards your audience and instead of like oh I have nothing of value to post on Thursday so I'll just post like this cat meme or whatever but Mm -hmm. it's like well that doesn't do anything for your audience so making sure what you're posting is actually quality and as well as like if you're if you're wondering about starting video just start filming yourself Um, At home with your with your phone, like you don't need fancy equipment, you definitely do not need a DSLR camera, you can just use your phone. Um, You can also start with stories on Instagram, or stories on Facebook or whatever it may be just short form video and just kind of get used to it and get comfortable being in front of a camera and don't worry about um, screwing up when you're doing when you're talking or anything like that because it can definitely be edited down like I think the more you're in front of the camera the more comfortable you'll get and I also think that um, when it comes to commercial realtors they really need to find a way to distinguish themselves from others like uh, chad was talking about at the beginning of this podcast about um how the industry or the yeah the industry on social is kind of saturated etc cetera, etc cetera. but that's why you see residential realtors dressing up in superman capes because they're trying to differentiate themselves but you can use your personality you can still be professional um just find a way to differentiate yourself from others
0: great yeah. points both of you oh sorry you're gonna add something chris
2: yeah i was
1: uh, uh the fact that you're doing this podcast,
2: Chad, you know, so you could host a podcast and then you could take that podcast and cut little sections of it out and post shorts. You know, you could take the text transcription and have somebody, you know, edit it to create blog posts out of it. And so like one piece of content could end up being several pieces of content. If you hire people to help, um, you know, cut it out and blast it out. Plus here's another one. What about the, the events that you go to or that you host as a brick and mortar business or as a commercial real estate person? It's like, just bring, a, video, bring a, a photographer with you or a young kid with a phone. You know, it doesn't have to cost you a whole lot of money and get them to start recording the things that you're already doing. You know, it really can be that simple. You don't even have to host a podcast. You could just start going on other people's podcasts and doing exactly the same thing. So it, it, I think it's just, um, what is your goal with social media? And then, um, you know, picking a strategy, and, and maybe, you know, maybe modifying it every so often, if you're not getting the results you want.
0: Beautiful point. And actually, I want to go transition into the podcast topic for a minute, because I see that uh, Gerald uh, joined in. Uh, so if you could pull up that comment. Uh, real world of real estate uh, hi Chad and Chris and Beverly you didn't uh, see in the thumbnail I forgot to include Beverly's picture in there so I, I might have to do an edit on that after uh, checked out a few of Chris's videos they're great any thoughts on the best way to deliver a newsletter so let's just hold that thought for a second because I actually want to and we'll circle back to that question that Gerald had Gerald actually has a podcast and I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on his podcast a couple of times real world of real estate Uh, does a great job on it. So we'll, we'll put a link in that uh, to the end. I want to actually highlight a few people that have joined in. Uh, Ron will put a link to his YouTube channel. We'll put a link to Gerald's uh, podcast. I love the point you made Chris about podcasts because I, I couldn't agree with you more. The I'm in the last, Two years, roughly, since the time that I started doing a podcast, I've become a huge fan of podcasts myself. To the point that I don't even watch a lot of TV, I don't even listen to a lot of music anymore because I just I'm always listening to podcasts. And I think that there's a huge opportunity here. uh To to the point that you made is that you don't necessarily need to start a podcast. There's already a lot of podcasts out there. It doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity if someone wants to. There's still a lot of uh, areas where they could specialize on and and bring value to an audience but if you just wanted to start the easy way there's so many podcasts out there that they're all looking for guests and it's hard finding good quality guests uh, that aren't trying to sell something or it's not it's not a dry monotone pitch where it's it's it delivered very flat it's hard it's hard actually finding really dynamic guests that get excited about something that they're interested in Uh, so if you were just to reach out to a number of podcasts Specific to what you know, and presumably, if it's something that you know and you're in, that's your profession or that's your business, you should be pretty passionate about it. If you can deliver a message saying, This is who I am, this is uh, what I can talk about, here's where I think it might be of value to your audience. If you've done a few already, that helps in getting uh, showing them a sample of what you've talked about and how you've Presented information. There's a lot of people looking for guests, a lot of podcasts. Go uh, ask your, ask them if they'd consider having you on as a guest. Uh, even you could even say I'd be happy to have a quick five-minute conversation just so we can discuss uh topics and you could see if I'd be a good fit. And if I'm not, no hard feelings, I'll still be a fan of your show. Pretty compelling message for someone to say, okay, well, I, I'm looking for guests. You're someone that's taken the initiative. They've sent me some of the things that they've done or a, a portfolio of of things that they've spoken about. As a podcast host myself, I'd find that to be quite compelling. So I, I, I think there's a huge opportunity where podcasts, uh, because it, it's we strip the audio uh, on this live that we're doing, and then we put this into a podcast form, and we we're, the podcast is actually growing more than the the YouTube channel has uh, because a lot of people can put it on in the background. They can sit through an hour show and if someone's listening to you talk for an hour they're already starting to get a little bit of a connection with you and and to the point both of you made if you can cut that up and you can take little snippets out of it you could use so much of that interview for content you could get a month worth of content easily on numerous different platforms just by doing a single podcast interview so i i I love that point that you made uh and Chris, what what's what's your kind of take on that? I don't want to dominate this whole conversation. I just had to jump in there because I've got direct yeah. experience being a guest and a host. what's yeah. What's your take on
2: that? Well, well, that's the whole thing of it is. so like I, I have a YouTube channel. and um and then so my strategy, my primary strategy is I have my YouTube channel and then I, I go on other podcasts and then I take both of those longer form pieces of content and I have a full-time video editor that cuts it up into shorts. And puts it out on on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook Story, Snapchat, and every other platform that I'm on. Um, and it doesn't take me time to do it. I literally show up and 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 talk to the points that I understand based on what my business is. Um, and then the YouTube channel as search related content or frequently asked questions from the people that I already serve. And and really then strip strip the um, audio out of there, create transcriptions to create text-related posts, and it's really just all repurposed um, from, you know, the longer form content. Now, I mean, yeah, you could be creative on a regular, everyday basis doing real-time selfie videos and all kinds of creative things, but I just try to simplify the strategy as much as possible, um, just because it serves my schedule to just be as productive as possible with um, without me having it monopolize every single hour of every single day you know
1: one thing I wanted to note is that there is a website called matchmaker.fm and you can actually create a profile on there and podcast shows go on there regularly looking for guests
0: yeah I use that myself and and I've been invited on probably 10 12 different podcasts uh i haven't gone on all of them if it doesn't really fit what i want to talk about because i i don't want to go on a show just to hear my own voice uh my wife has to deal with that already enough uh, I, I want to make sure that i'm passionate about it and can be pretty energetic about it but i've I, i've probably been invited on a dozen and i've probably done eight eight podcast interviews on there and yeah like, like, like chris said you get so much content off that if you're repurposing it it doesn't need to be this big endeavor where you're spending hours a day on it uh you, you can really create a lot of content uh quite simply so uh thanks for uh, elaborating on that uh, uh both and maybe we can, let's go back to gerald's question that he had there at the end uh, any thoughts on the best way to deliver a newsletter? So you both brought this up that the, there's a power in having a newsletter because you never know when an algorithm might change or if TikTok gets shut down. Uh, although I heard that, th- that there's rumblings on that right now. So may- that's a different topic altogether but you never know when a platform might change the algorithm might change you might go from having a very popular million follower instagram account and, and the next day you wake up and nobody's commenting on your on your stuff so you never know so there's undeniably a value in having a newsletter what do you and and you both do newsletters if i'm if i'm correct right
1: I stopped doing my newsletter just because I'm lazy, but I did have <laughs> I did have a lot of success with it. But since I've become so busy without marketing, um, I've kind of put a pause on it.
0: Okay, well, maybe you just have yeah. to give some historical context on it. Then
2: <laughs> you know what? Um, I'll say this: um, what I do really well is keep an organized list of people that I want to be in constant contact with. So it doesn't matter if I have fifteen thousand connections on all multiple different social media accounts or, or more. My point is I try to I try to pay attention to those people that I connect with that I can that I can serve. And then those that I build relationships with, I put a separate file for that. So for example, I have um, agents that I try to keep in touch with for the recruitment side of what I do. And then I have the my sphere of influence in my local market of people that I network with that I can serve. And so Part of keeping that list organized is, of course, collecting email addresses as well. But it really depends what your audience is as to what you put out, um, you know, for your newsletter. But like for the real estate related stuff, I would say community related, um, you know, and then depends on your frequency. So you can be ultra frequent if you're adding value from the community point of view, if it's stuff that people genuinely can benefit from on a regular basis for like community events or, or what's happening in your area, all those types of things. Um, as a real estate person, you could focus and spend a lot of time on being the expert of your local market, your local city. Um, what's the latest and greatest of, of what the happenings are? But of course, the, depending on who your audience is, that's going to gear what your content you know, specifically gears towards. But again, um, if there's a relevant piece of, of content you've already spoken to, you could repurpose it and, and put it out on your newsletter just the same.
1: I definitely think there's value of using a newsletter as part of your sales funnel. So maybe it's top of funnel where people are just getting to know you. So you talk more about your experience and you tell stories about or client stories, that type of thing, or whether it's at the bottom of the funnel where you're trying to close them on working with you or something like that. But definitely, I think a newsletter is great part of the sales funnel. Um, I'm really a big fan of the newsletters that don't look like newsletters, where it looks like a person actually just emailed you and it's all text. Maybe there's a GIF or something like that to draw attention but i'm not really a big fan of the formatted newsletter sorry chad i know yours is formatted (laughs) um but yeah i i just like because it looks like the person actually took time to send you an email even though it is something that was sent to a thousand other people um Uh, But yeah, I agree with Chris. Definitely there needs to be value or else there's no point in doing it every week. Uh, Maybe you switch it to a monthly thing. Um, But always be delivering some sort of value, some sort of takeaway, some sort of action that they can execute right away. And that way, uh, they'll always be opening your emails.
2: I want to add one more thing. This might be be controversial. Um, (laughs) Controversy is good. Yeah, pick up up the phone. Pick up the phone and call people. It's like, you know what? Do all this social media stuff so you can develop strong relationships with people so that you seem that you're, you're an influential person in the community. But, but now when you pick up the phone and call people, A, they appreciate it so much more. B, they know you that much better. And nobody else is phoning anymore. Now, it doesn't mean you have to phone everybody. But even if you were to identify the top 10 or 20% of the people that you're connected with online that you could potentially uh, build stronger relationships with or do business with or that could send you business, I think today, especially right now with the way the market is, people genuinely really appreciate that. And if you can um, make time to, to pick up the phone, even if people don't have time to answer, it's still, I think, a genuine gesture that is overlooked. But as to your uh, note there, Beverly, to me, that's the bottom of your, your sales funnel. And because you've done all this effort on social media, the number of people you need to call is much smaller. But the impact that you can make and the conversions you can create as a result of you picking up the phone is the roof.
0: yeah and the difference between making a pure cold call with someone that's never heard of you before versus someone that has consumed some of your content or perhaps a good portion of your content they're going to be so much more receptive to having that conversation with you so i, I couldn't agree with you more to uh, to both of your points i i, I kind of look at social media as a consumer myself from and that I extrapolate that out that anything that I create, whether it's it's a tweet or a video or any piece of content, I try to ask myself if I was on the other side, would I appreciate that post? And appreciate is as a generic term in this context, but it could be something as much as what I find a little bit of insight in this, or maybe it's it would be somewhat humorous. And I try at all costs to make to avoid any of my posts coming across as a commercial. Because as a consumer, I don't go on to LinkedIn, I don't go on to Twitter, I don't go on YouTube to watch a commercial for another business or for another service provider. That I, that I We hate commercials to begin with. That's why there's uh, DVR and people fast forward through commercials is because they don't want to watch commercials. So I, I've found that the surefire way to get people to not pay attention to you and to worse, perhaps even block or unfollow you is if you're just Pounding them with advertisements. Nobody wants to hear an advertisement. So if if I put myself in those shoes, and I'm not perfect at it, I'm sure I have some cringy posts in the past or videos in the past. But if if you put yourself in that shoes, if what you're about to post, if you kind of look at it as an avatar, someone on the other side, like your ideal customer, the ideal person you're trying to reach, would they find value in this post, then yes, do it. If they don't, if, if you say, well, this could just come across as a commercial, then think twice on whether you that's what you wanna be trying to do. So that's what I, the idea that I've subscribed to over time is, is to create value and that's a natural lead into the next part that I had on this. What can people post? So we've talked podcasts as a natural one. So assuming someone isn't going on podcasts right now, they're perhaps a little nervous or hesitant to get onto video, What would you say to someone that's new in the business? So it could be brick and mortars like you alluded to, Chris, or it could just be a service professional. It could be a broker. It could be a lawyer, anybody. They're new into social media. They want to start 2023 off by actually getting some content out there, getting some engagement. What are some of the things that you'd recommend that they start doing?
1: Oh, um, (laughs) I was like, does Chris want to start or me? Uh, I really like Chris's idea of FAQ. So posting and answering frequently asked questions. Um, I I always say like if you're trying to brand yourself as the face of your business or representing your business, have someone have a professional take photos of you in your work environment. Um, Or even just like at a coffee shop with your laptop, you on your cell phone, and like more candid type lifestyle photos, and use those in addition to answering frequently asked questions. That's a really simple way to kick it off. And as well as if you're not comfortable with video, again, try and do some stories or short like 30 second videos 20 second videos to start off with and see and get more comfortable that way and see what the return is um i would say start off like whatever you do make sure you're measuring what you're doing and seeing what's what's resonating with your audience and what's not and and look at your analytics at least on a monthly basis
2: great points a couple topic ideas come to my mind is um like i mentioned before Anytime you're hosting an event, have somebody taking pictures so that you could post those out and you could leak those out. You know, that could be content that, that you put out um, on the upcoming weeks. Uh, another really good one, if you have staff, is just meet the team. Um, have a photo, you know, little caption as to, you know, what this team member does, um, you know, what what they do for the business to serve you better, um, and, you know, behind the scenes, and then as well, you could do testimonials. And then these testimonials could be 10 years old, doesn't matter. Your audience hasn't seen it yet. You could post it and comment on it. Um, you could also do um, fun fact, you know, did you know? This just kind of like a frequently asked question, but um, those can sometimes be engaging as well. And, and I always say for content strategy, have four pillars for content creation. And those could literally be the four, you know, events, meet the team, testimonials, and did you know? And then just put it on rinse and repeat. So then at least you know um, what avenue you're going for your next post. And then when people see your content, it doesn't feel so repetitive because you have variety in, in the content that you're putting out.
0: The gr- cool thing about that too is I, I love the did you know and frequently asked questions uh, comments you both made. Frequently asked questions, I, I believe that if one person asks you a question, there's Tens, dozens, hundreds of other people that are thinking it that just haven't haven't asked it. So frequently asked questions is a great one. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day. Think Media, their a big social media group, uh mostly on YouTube, and he was describing. He did a video on a frequently asked question, and he even just disc- he even set it up saying it wasn't a question that I even thought that much about, but uh, they made a video on it. He's had over fifty thousand subscribers because of that one video, uh, and hundreds of thousands of views and his channel is monetized so he made 30 grand or something on that video and that was just answering one question that he didn't even think to answer so i love the frequently asked questions that's that's a absolute no-brainer in my mind and i love the did you know uh as well it ties into that because you can you can use that if you do a little bit of research so it could be like one thing that i love exploring is uh Global shipping, as nerdy as that sounds, uh, like I love reading about the Suez Canal or the Panama Canal or, or these different pathways. So when I when I read into it, I'm traditionally doing some research or just reading for general interest. But you're accumulating knowledge by doing that. So I've I've made the occasional video about the Panama Canal or the Suez Canal just because I had researched it. I took information from it. And if you're doing that work anyways, uh, and maybe I'm, I'm a big nerd, so I just do it because I, I like reading into it. But if you had to just do it as as part of your content strategy, you could extract so much information from that that you could turn it into a couple of tweets. You could turn that into an Instagram picture. You could turn that into a YouTube video if you're comfortable speaking in camera, Instagram Live, LinkedIn video, like all, you have so many different sources of contact if you uh, content. If you just think, did you know something interesting to your industry that other people might find interesting as well, you can get so much content off of it. So I I, I love it. I, I think you guys have given so much aw- awesome information on this. Um, follow up on that. And there's a question I want to get to from Neil uh, in a second. Uh, we'll get to this because it ties in a little bit. What do you see on social media that you hate? And this can be through the lens of somebody looking at what people do in your industry, or people outside of the industry? What do you see that you hate on social media?
1: I hate instant direct messages on LinkedIn. Automatically disconnect with that person. Mark a flag it a spam to LinkedIn. I don't know if they actually do anything about it, but I'm just like, don't connect, don't bother. Like I'm Like, even if I need your product or I need your service, I am not going to use you because I don't want to be sold to right when you connect with me.
0: I, I usually instantly block too. I, I used to just ignore it, uh, but then that's just rewarding bad behavior. So right. when someone sends me an instant, it automatically just blocked. I just don't want any of that. So I 100% agree.
2: You no, know, actually, I'm, I'm going to speak to that as well. So here, here's a perfect example of the opposite approach. I had a photographer um, send me three photos, um, exterior photos of one of my listings that's under construction, Because that person went through um, enough research to find that I had a listing that had um, photos that were outdated, not just for the season, but also for the construction, because we weren't far that that far along during construction, took three photos, sent me those three photos for free and said, keep me in mind, you know, if you want um, photos of the interior when the project is complete, man, I'm still I'm still shocked. I'm pumped, you know, about that. And so that's just, you know a very quick approach to adding value when you reach out to people, which I think is, is really great. And I want to mention something you did, Chad, that I thought was interesting on a similar note um, to current events and, and current trends in your industry, or just in general, you put a post out uh, not too long ago, something to do with um, semi trucks and electric vehicles or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I think you did a post, and I found that actually genuinely interesting. And, and being in the commercial real estate space, that's relevant to, to a lot of businesses. And I think people can you know engage in content like that and, and see value and, and relate to it. So sometimes it's just piggybacking. And it could be as simple as sharing a link and, and screenshotting you know, an article. Um, but you could also record a video talking about how it relates to your business and what you think of it and asking people what they think. But, but to answer your question, um, it's not something I hate. But something I think that is um, overused is the bandwagon jumpers. So, yes, residential real estate agents are active on social media. But when you see just listed, just sold, just listed, just sold, infomercial all the time or, or this person, everybody jumps on the bandwagon and does exactly the same. It's just vanilla. It's just like more of the same. And so, like, how do you stand out? Right. So I guess at some point you have to put yourself out there you know, and, and try to put your own spin on it, your own personality to, to stand out. Um, and then like, like what Beverly said, the link people that say, Hey, if you need my product, here's a link. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, not, not, not ideal.
0: Yeah, there are, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent and I'd probably be a little more strongly worded that I really dislike those just listed just sold ones and i'm in the business and i dislike those so i think that that goes back to that's self-serving if you're putting on a just listed or just sold that's that's about me look what i'm doing look what i have whether it's a subtle like a humble brag just listed this uh, millions million dollar building or whatever or just sold this 20 million dollar building whatever it is that's about you that's, that's this is what i've done this is what i what, what i'm doing versus here's some information that i thought was useful and and i thought you might find it helpful as well and then it turns out to actually be something you know, that they want to read there's a time and place for both i can buy the argument that you still do want to use the platform to show your services and you have to convey an image of success, and I, I, I could be persuaded that there's some frequency uh, of of uh, putting those things on there. I try to avoid it myself altogether because I just don't want to dilute my message. I want to be known as someone that's putting out value all the time. But I can get behind why some people do it. But I, again, it just that's that's an advertisement. If you're saying just listed or just sold, that's an advertisement. However, you want to color it, that's that's what it is. So I, I think that there's just there's better ways to do it like even if you just listed a let's use a warehouse you just listed a million square foot building instead of saying just listed showing the address and the price you might want to highlight something about it so i want to say all the other buildings in this area we surveyed all of them everyone else has 30 foot clear ceiling heights developer had the foresight on this one to actually do 36 we're seeing that as a trend because then companies could put more racking in there and it's really benefiting the end user all of a sudden that's interesting. And you put those two side by side. I'm pretty sure most people are going to ignore the advertisement, but if there's one where there's a little bit of value, you might actually start getting some engagement. Someone might say, well, we're actually seeing 40 feet in our area. Some people might say 24 is still common. All of a sudden you have a discussion going versus the only people that are commenting on a just listed or just sold is the client and other people at your company. That's it. That's the, yeah. the only engagement that you're getting on that. Whereas if you actually create a dialogue and add something, you might get some conversation back on yeah. that.
2: Or, or tell a story, you know, uh, yeah. Sally business owner was recently widowed and had financial concerns, but because she did a vendor take back or a rent to own deal on the current building that she needs to, to run her business, we managed to put a deal together. We couldn't have otherwise done it. If the seller wasn't willing to put some sort of creative financing together. You know, it's like, there's so many feel good stories that you can tell too, that, that you're just like, you know, we went, we, we did this, this, and this, which is outside of the norm. And that, that's how we made it happen. People can relate to that.
0: Oh, hundred percent agree. Bev, anything Beverly, I do to keep calling you Bev. I apologize. You're just going to have to correct me or you're just gonna have to accept it. Cause I don't think I could not call you. Bev. I'll accept it. Okay, perfect. We're on the same page then. Anything to add?
1: uh no i definitely agree with both of you i think those were really great points to share and yeah nothing to add to that
0: well we're just near the top of the hour and i did want to just highlight both of you uh as well so chris i we we met on instagram not formally one of these days when i'm in your neck of the woods or if you're in mine i'd love to meet up in in person uh you're killing it on instagram you've got a really good platform going on there uh where else can people find you? You got a YouTube channel as well. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out?
2: I would definitely say for sure on, on uh, Instagram and on YouTube. And by the way, Chad, are you in, in BNI?
0: I was a number of years ago. Okay. I, I haven't though. It's been probably 10 years since I was. A member. I,
2: I think, I think I remember chatting to you years ago um, through BNI. I'm no longer in BNI anymore either, but um, yeah, cause I had you in my phone, I think for BNI, that's kind of crazy.
0: Uh, that that would have been a while ago
2: yeah yeah it's very cool
0: i'll make sure that i put uh your youtube and instagram uh in the description as well and uh yeah i I look forward to continuing the conversation we it sounds like it's a long-running conversation that goes back beyond just the the, this uh this call and, uh, and some instagram message we've exchanged but i definitely want to keep the conversation going on that uh and then bev early or just bev as i'm now allowed to call her uh social media consultant lots of experience in the uh, industrial real estate space both working in an, and then consulting with clients that are in the space best way to get a hold of you where are you active these days
1: twitter mostly so twitter.com slash hello beverly and that's beverly with an l-e-y um yeah twitter or linkedin i would say and i do help businesses with social media management consulting training so if you need any of that feel free to reach out to me
0: and we have an office have used uh, Beverly as well and can vouch for how awesome she is to deal with. So I would highly encourage people to reach out to both Chris and Beverly. And look at that. We're top of the hour. We're an hour virtually right on the dot. I want to thank both of you because that was tremendous. I loved everything that you guys both said. I feel like once you get an understanding of social media, it almost becomes a language where I, I could totally appreciate everything that you guys were saying and and I, I there's nothing I could uh, add or or argue against because it was it was so clear that there's a distinction between what you two are recommending versus what someone that might be struggling getting traction on social media might be experiencing so loved everything that you guys said really want to take uh, thank you for taking the time to spend an hour with me and and I hope that everybody got some some value from this as well uh, I'd like to say if you If you liked it, please hit the thumbs up button. If you didn't like it, smash that thumbs down button. We need to add in there why. We need to say, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Because I like getting feedback of all kinds. Uh, If something's not working out, let me know uh, or smash the thumbs down button. But if you did like it, really do appreciate a thumbs up. And want to thank everybody for tuning in, especially Chris and Beverly. Thank you once again.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you got some value from that episode. I always enjoy getting to speak with these guests. Again, if you got any value from this, please leave a review on our Apple or Spotify page and look to catch you in the next episode. Thanks.